0: It gets tough, and sport's not pretty. I've been a few instances where it's like, man, this really sucks. But you just gotta keep going. You just gotta keep finding, you know, that goal is the Olympic Games.
1: Excellence is about spin, and excellence is a requirement for your dream culture. Welcome to Unfiltered Athletes. I'm your host, Leo. In this podcast, we go behind the scenes with world-class athletes to reveal the untold stories of their journeys, from grueling training sessions to mental strategies to achieve greatness, get ready for a raw, unfiltered look at the world of sports. In this episode, I talk with young rising star, track cyclist Nick Wamus. Culminating at 6'5", Nick is a strong, powerful, yet extremely poised and well-rounded athlete who participated in the 2020-2021 Olympics in the sprint and carrying disciplines. Nick brings us through the day-to-day of a pro track cyclist, gives us interesting insights about the sport and how it deserves to be known to the wide public, and also digs into the importance to build a personal brand with social media to prepare for the aftercareer. And it all started quite rapidly, getting into a Saturday night race after only a few tries on a track bike.
0: It was like my first race night when I hopped on the track bike, I was at that point only done three or four Saturday sessions where I was learning to ride the track in London and then the coach who was kind of overseeing the sessions had said to me and my parents he's like oh so you're you're staying for racing tonight right and I'm like uh what do you mean racing it's like oh yeah it's race night tonight Saturday night racing and I think uh sure uh so yeah we just went through the went to the race that night and that was kind of my first taste of track cycling Alright, so what was the result of that race? Oh, honestly, I have no idea. I probably came dead last and got dropped. <laughs> I was still learning to ride the track at that point and how to ride a straight line. The right. track in London is a lot smaller than what we like what regulation size is, it's only hundred and thirty eight meters compared to two hundred fifty, which okay. is a normal like world class Olympic size velodrome. Mm-hmm. So it's super tight. So you're you're kinda of, you're learning even quicker. I mean everything's everything's tighter, everything's feels faster it's just so
1: you have to turn much more often yeah, which is probably the trickiest part pretty much the, yeah um, you're just you're always in a corner basically whereas okay. <laughs> you
0: on a larger track you're on that you're on the straight the corners feel much wider okay whereas that track kind of whips you around so when you're learning a track bike at that point everything feels like intense so you're just trying to learn and stay up stay up on the track
1: um, so did you start i guess you didn't start with track right you've necessarily started no with actually rope that's biking? that's
0: the thing i did start on the track. I had never done road cycling. I actually started on the track and went to road cycling. I'd always ridden a bike as a kid, like around the farm and stuff like that. But I never thought of cycling as a competitive sport. Um, And I saw it on TV, London 2012 Olympics. And I thought that looks pretty cool. What is this? And found out there was a track in London. And my mom took me there one Saturday and she's like, no, you're, you're not doing this. This track is 45 degrees in the corners. You're staring down a wall. Like you're, there's no way. And I said, uh, I want to try it. And then the guy w- that was there kind of just said, hey, you want to give it a try? And I said, of course I do. So I got on the track and um, just just started learning how to ride a fixed gear bike.
1: So basically a fixed gear bike, you don't have any brakes. You're yeah, braking so with sing- your legs, right? Yeah.
0: You're, it's one gear doesn't coast and there's no brakes. So you're slowing down and controlling the bike purely on pedaling.
1: Okay. So you're pretty much learning how to ride with a fixie. Yeah. on that track on the which track. is k- kind of dangerous yeah. in a way so your mom must be yeah she well, was, she was super terrified happy about that, she right? was terrified yeah so uh
0: <laughs> it just kind of i was hooked immediately um but i started doing like the it was basically a weekly thing at that point for me i was 13 years old so i'd yeah. go to like the weekly saturday training afternoon mm-hmm. sessions and i did a few of them and i, I mean i was hooked on the first one but it probably took me three or four to convince my parents to let me sign up for the team and then at that point it was just like I was just all in. I was just so stoked for you. I was doing all the race nights of the winter. I actually started in the fall. So that's kind of here. It's kind of like the winter is the track season. So I mm-hmm. was perfect timing for like that whole winter track season. Okay. So I did every Saturday night race night. Every time I could be at that track, I was, I was, um, and then that kind of transitioned into road cycling. I just, it was kind of the natural progression and our coach Rob just like, yeah, you're just, you're going to do it. You're going to do the youth cup series here in Ontario. And that was kind of the start of what was my career.
1: Okay, so did you actually compete on uh, on the road, or did you I did. just try? Okay.
0: So I, there's in Ontario here, there's like a youth cup series, which is just like um, U17 and under. So I started out in the miniem category, under 15, and uh, just did the circuit. It was I think it was a six or seven race circuit, okay. and I did that through the summer and traveled up to a place in Quebec, R- Rimouski, which is like a one of the yeah. bigger stage races for use like for u17 cyclists in in canada and got destroyed i had no idea what i was doing but i just kind of got tossed in the deep end and you just you figure it out um it was probably it wasn't until end of u17 i started really specialize in track and realized that you know i don't really love the road as much as i need to you have to put in so much so many hours on the road if you want to be like strong on the road and i just i didn't love putting in the volume i loved going fast on the track and that's when i started to really Specialize in the track and decide that I want to, you know, continue with the track.
1: Okay, so what's the the main difference? Everybody knows road cycling, or yep. everybody at least understands how it works. You know, long distance and all that. Uh, what's the big difference with with track? Is it just uh, more condensed, much more like intense power for a short period? Yeah, of time? so
0: tracks broken down into two disciplines. There's the endurance side, and then there's the sprint side. I'm on the sprint side, mm-hmm. um, where everything's super condensed. I mean our max our max resistance is three laps for the man. I mean there's also the kilo, but that's kinda it's four laps. Okay. Um but for the most part it's, it's three laps, which is the sprint. Um Kieran is six laps, but it's three laps are controlled by the motorbike. Okay. And there's three laps sprint yeah. after that. And there's the kilo, which is four laps. Then there's the endurance side as well. Um and that's you know, the scratch race, which is essentially a road race on the track. Just the first one across the line wins. There's like the Omnium, the points race, the team pursuit, the Madison, which is like the longer stuff. But even the Madison's only 50, 50K, which in terms of road cycling, that's, that's nothing. Like yeah. it's.
1: But is it some sort of a, not a constant, constant sprint, but like a very high intensity 50K? Yeah, it is, or it is, just, it it is pretty
0: intense. Like they, I believe at Worlds, they average somewhere in the 50K an hour okay. for that 50K. So like the race was under an hour. Okay, um, So it is fast, um, but yeah, definitely longer distances for the endurance side.
1: Okay, so what actually brought you more to the track? Is it because you like the speed and the, the intensity? Yeah, of it? and or I was it?
0: more so identified as a sprinter. like Just, just because my, of your body? My body your... kind of suited yeah. the sprint and um, I, was, I had great leg speed and kind of we, yeah, just pushed towards the, the sprint side and that's kind of how things panned out.
1: Okay. So you're extremely tall when you open the door (laughs) to your house. They're like, Oh,
0: he's on the step and you were not. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. So how is that, uh, helping you or how is that uh, an advantage to, to be on the track
0: or is it, I don't necessarily know if it's an advantage, but I think this sport is great in the way there really isn't an ideal body type. Okay. Like, you know, you can be five, six, Five eight, five nine. You could be six five like me. Like you know, there really isn't an ideal, super like you have to be this to be a track cyclist. Yeah. Like where some sports, you know, you have to fit that mold in order to be able to do that sport. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think like in terms of me, like I, I don't know, like yes, I got like long levers to push on the pedal. Like I can do big torque, but whether it's a specific advantage or not, I, I never really been understood. If that is even, even is a thing.
1: Okay. Okay. Uh, so there wasn't any history of cycling in your family. You were the first, right? Your mom clearly wasn't into it. No. <laughs> your dad or. No. Friends um,
0: or? Yeah. My mom was like a uh, track and field athlete. She did hurdles through high school and like, she was really good at it. And kind of, I know my dad was like just, you know, farm kid and had some, well, obviously, we're like, I don't know. Like, uh, I guess I have some athletic talent. Mm hmm. Um, but in terms of like competitive sports, like my parents, no, neither one of them were like in the super competitive.
1: Okay. Okay. So what made it, or or at which point did you realize that you could make trike cycling more than a hobby in a way? Uh, yeah. 13 you start at 17 ish you mm-hmm. go from road to track again when you realize because you're 23 now yeah 23 now, so this year it hasn't been so long yeah. Uh, but yeah at, at what point did you realize that you had something and that you could do yeah. you know more than uh, just practicing once a uh, once a week on a saturday
0: yeah I, so for me my dream as a kid was always to go to the olympics that was like the sole dream i want to be representing canada at the olympics i don't know what stemmed it like what it where it came from but that was my dream since I've been a kid
1: so even before 2012 yeah you even just before to be that I Olympics, wanted to go to the Olympics I didn't, to I didn't
0: even know what sport what yeah, avenue okay. I wanted to take I hadn't I thought you know I'm going to play I'm that, I'm that kid playing soccer and feel like I'm going to play soccer at the Olympics and then and I was going to do running and I was going to get to the Olympics but I just I didn't think of cycling but that kind of that's just I found cycling that was my avenue to the Olympic Games and that's okay. been was my sole driver through those 8-9 years of all of this is leading me to the Olympic Games. Everything, whatever I did was how is it gonna, how is this going to get me to the Olympics? And uh, yeah, that was <laughs> that was that. No, and
1: and so you mentioned also that in 2012. So in that case, you know you're good at, mm-hmm. at cycling. Um, yeah, so or you realize yeah, it and realized. Yeah, I realized. Inspired that, by the 2012 I just, girl yeah. team sprints or something.
0: So the team pursuit was actually Definitely. on. It was when the women won bronze in London. Okay. And we were just at a at a restaurant somewhere in, close to Toronto and it was on. And I just thought that was cool and I wanted to try it and that was the start of it all. Nice.
1: Um so yeah, going back more on, on the technical aspect. So you, you explained you started explaining what track cycling is. Um there are a few currencies where there was a track cyclist that went into road and was successful mm. the yeah. first one that comes to mind is bradley wiggins there yeah. might be a few others that didn't win yeah. the Tour de france but yeah yeah how how can you when you reach the top level is this something that you're you're thinking of at some point
0: no i definitely i definitely won't translate to road like there are like guys on our endurance side like derek g who currently is at the giro just his second on the stage today was in tokyo with me he was team pursuit like yeah. for me i will never go to the road okay like it's just not gonna like it's not for me Okay, <laughs> and from, coming from the sprint side, yeah, I just wouldn't translate well over to the road. Okay,
1: um, and and when you started competing at higher level, did you have, uh, or do you still have like a a model in a way that you take inspiration from, whether it's in cycling or uh, or in another sport?
0: Not necessarily, no. I think like the Olympics is really what drives me every day. Like you know, I want to I want back to the Olympics. Like um, I was there in twenty twenty one, and I want to be back there in twenty twenty four. Like that's everything i do every day is like how do i get to the olympics it's Mm -hmm. like qualify for the olympics that's the thing
1: so what is it going to the olympics you have still have 18 or this Fifteen months until 15 Paris. Months. So are fifteen
0: months. Oh, fifteen <laughs> so months. There,
1: so there's a there's a board uh, in the in the kitchen that says fifteen month fifteen months to go Paris twenty twenty four in yeah. the house. So clearly yes. Yeah, it's, there's we're a, on the a countdown. countdown right? Yeah, we're on the countdown. Yeah. Um. So yeah, what does it take? What's your, what's the daily daily training daily schedule for you for uh, for your uh, your partner?
0: So basically, training for us like we train Monday to Friday. Most days are double days. Um, Monday, Wednesday, Friday is gym. Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday are track days um so monday and friday are double like gym and track days tuesday will be like a, a base aerobic ride and track sessions we did track this morning um and sorry um and then wednesday is an, another gym session with a small another aerobic session and then thursday's track again
1: okay um so it's say 20-25 hours yeah pretty, pretty much pretty like we're
0: life. like we're sprints so we're kind of, we ha- kind of hang out of the track and do our efforts as well so like we're longer time in a training environment than we are actually riding like we're on and off the bike and mm-hmm. kind of sitting down between sets in the gym and stuff like that so
1: all right so you're in probably in Canada the best uh, setup or the best place so we're mm-hmm. here in, in milton
0: yeah uh, i was wondering coming here
1: i had one question was like is this the place milton for track cycling it clearly is because there's the Velodrome or the yeah. track, a few kilometers. Yeah, this from is def- here?
0: this is like the hub. This is where we kind of all based out of, and all, all the national team operations go through here okay. like, for the elite track cycling program. Like this is where it's it's all based out of now.
1: Okay, so how long uh, ago did you uh, arrive in, in Milton?
0: So I've been in Milton for twenty since 2017. Um, this track was only built in 2015, so before that, um, the team was kind of based out of LA. Okay, they were flying in and out of LA and training there through okay. the winter and stuff like that. So we're pretty lucky now to have a track at home here. And I was lucky enough too that I had still been junior, and when I came into the program, this track was ready for me to come here, and it's yeah. interesting.
1: And so, how many um, athletes are training at that uh, that facility?
0: So, on a daily basis, there's eight of us: four women sprinters, four men sprinters, and we're the ones that are based here year round, pretty much. Like okay. We are always based here in Milton.
1: And the endurance people are they the endurance. There's a,
0: it's a little bit different for them because they have like a larger pool to pull from. Okay. But for the most part, when we're tre- prepping for major competition, it'd be like five or six. Each side that'll come in for the camp, um, so I, I like a full like full team for the Olympics now will be um, 14, 14, 15 athletes for the Olympic Games will be a full team. So the pools are a little bigger on the on the endurance side than they are for the sprint side. But
1: okay, interesting.
0: And so um, I saw a few of your videos
1: and the different you know, yeah. content that you you create. Yeah. Uh, you talk a lot or you show a lot about what's outside of mm-hmm. the the track itself. Um, yeah, yeah. W- what is How do you uh, combine your life in general with all that crazy training? And so do you also train outside of the track on your own to, you know, overachieve and all?
0: Not necessarily. Like everything that I, I don't really stray from the plan too much. Like everything I'm doing outside of the track is part of the plan. Like, you know, the road stuff and that's all part of the plan as well. Um, I don't do anything crazy secret training Mm-hmm. Um, I've always been a very big believer in the plan and the plan works and it's never really let me down in the past. Um, I know that if I'm doing everything I can, that and this, I believe in my, in my coaches obviously like, um, and just follow the plan. Okay. Um, uh,
1: so now more technically when you're on a track, um, racing, like in a competition, um, just for, just to put things into context. Uh, I watched a few videos of you yeah. and other, uh, uh, track cyclists before coming and you said it's it's a very short condensed intense uh, race three three laps in general yep. usually the first two you're it's it's a, a one-on-one you guys are kind yeah. of observing each other yeah. riding pretty slow. So yeah, if you can explain the whole, let's say from the the start to the finish, what, you know, what the strategy is in, in general. And yeah. So that's, that's
0: kind of the interesting one. So that's the individual sprint. Okay. That's like one-on-one and it's kind of where you see like, yeah, like you said, like you kind of go slow for the first little bit and then it's an all out sprint mostly because it's impossible to really do a three lap full sprint. Mm-hmm. Like it's not going to happen. And if you do that, the person's other person to sit behind you come around you at the end when you're dying so it's kind of all about like how do you set up that sprint against the other person to beat them with either your speed or your tactics and uh, ultimately win the race and move on
1: okay so and so is it better to be in front or in the back usually uh, kinda, I, do you, do you have like yeah, a preference or is i there...
0: prefer from the back i like i do like to rush but it really depends on the rider and like the strategy they're taking into the race and um, based on who you're racing, it could be better to be in the front or on the, in the back. Like, it, it really does depend. Okay. And it's, it's, yeah, personal preference as well. Like, there isn't, like, certain tracks, like, you need to be in front to start the sprint, or you're going to want to, like, you know, it, it can vary.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, and in terms of your body to be the best um, track cyclist, what does it take? I, again, saw a few videos on your Instagram as well, and most of the things that we can see are those... Um, Amazingly fast and intense acceleration for 10 seconds. It seems to be like a leg work 100%. But there's probably a lot more going into that. There's of course the bike itself, like the the top of the technology for a bike. Yeah. So yeah, what does it really take in terms of um, material and also body strength?
0: Yeah, track cycling is interesting in the way that it is very much a technological race as well. Like companies and teams do invest a lot of money into having the best equipment and making sure that everyone's on the fastest bike possible and the fastest, you know, skin suit, helmet, shoe covers, it all goes into it. Um, In terms of physical, I mean, it's just like you got to be strong. You got to be fast. You have to be able to, you know, put out big power. So
1: how, what power do you, at your peak, um speed or peak intensity what's uh, what power do you uh, so you put on the on the I uh, like
0: I'm putting out around 2100 watts 21 2200 watts at the peak it obviously varies like when you know what I'm doing based on like where I'm on the track and the gears that I'm using but my peak power is around 2200 watts
1: is, is there a way to quantify for anyone listening as it, it rings a bell for me because <laughs> my real business is in electric cars so everything about electricity and power resonates but what is it an average person let's say sprinting running and sprinting how much you know what oh, what power oh, would they honestly, I, have I just no want to idea. compare because it's probably yeah. you're probably five times if not ten times you know more powerful than the average person so I just, yeah i just know if there's a way to quali- quantify uh, the, <laughs> the power i don't know how to
0: translate that into like uh compare that to something but i think like the average person to get on like a bike and do a sprint would probably do somewhere close to a, a thousand watts, nine hundred watts, if they were had some cycling experience. Okay. Um, so,
1: so, is it pure power in in that case for you in training, over training, over training, or is there, is there also uh, a yes, like power is like, huge,
0: like there, and there's technicality in like how you translate your power to the bike and your efficiency and in in pedaling and you know being able to you know you can have a lot of power, but if you you can't translate it to the bike, I mean, it's not really gonna make you go very far. Mm -hmm. Um, but obviously aerodynamics are a huge, huge thing. Um, but yeah, it's it's about power. Like for the sprint side, it's about power. And, and so on the
1: material side, on the bike side, I saw again, a video of you. And I think the bike itself is worth with all the equipment, 20,000 or something. Um, yeah. What makes it different? It's, it's the the material itself. Let's say like, um, yeah, like carbon and companies spend
0: millions of dollars to design these bikes that are you know it's it's a technological race it's like it's you know, kind of like f1 like you know come yeah. these teams are investing millions of dollars into you know gaining just a little bit of an edge it's the same thing with bike companies you know with like uh t- track bikes and tt bikes it's like every company's trying to put as much as they can into developing these bikes and they are hard to make like all our wheels are hand built and oh yeah by campagnolo and um it's just like incredibly it, it is a simple bike like it is like obviously there's no Like there's no gears, there's no brakes, obviously like that, but it's just a very technologically advanced bike, and companies spend a lot of money trying to build these bikes. Mm
1: -hmm. So it's really aerodynamics and the material itself. Because a road bike will have, like you said, brakes and pads and this and that, but in your case, it's really it's yeah. quote unquote just the frame yeah the wheels and they're a lot more
0: specialized as well like they're not they're not exactly mass produced like okay some so the they're all unique right you, you can't much. just like go to a bike you, shop and find that yeah you, you, yeah you, there's very small amounts of them okay. like a lot of times you gotta order them like it's like they're not as what well mass produced for you know for like a season you know you not these bike companies don't roll out an, a new model for every year right mm-hmm. they, they're Designed for a quad or for the Olympics, or you know, they roll out close to the Olympic games. Like. Okay.
1: And who do you uh, who do you work with? with which uh, so our bike team's bike sponsored you? by archon Eighteen.
0: Yeah. That's one of the, like uh, it's a Canadian company. Yeah. Um, from Montreal, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's yeah, that's the bikes we ride.
1: Okay, so they work directly with you. Do You work with like a product developer or product person. Uh, not necessarily.
0: Team? Like uh, this is the bike that they developed in hand with the Australian team. Okay. And we're kind of riding it as well.
1: Okay. So they can open up the yeah. uh, the patent yeah. or yeah. the the yeah. So this is like,
0: it's called the Electron Pro TKO that we ride, okay. which is like the b- the bike that Argon built for the Tokyo Olympics. Okay, so it's and like we're, the we're gonna, on it too.
1: It's like the Lamborghini of the the bikes no, or the, <laughs> like the whatever. Um, sweet. So the body parts or physical parts we covered the material part in a way we covered mm-hmm. one thing that I find very important, um, especially in individual sport in a way is the mental part of the, of the sport. So you're still super young, but Mm -hmm. we've recently seen more young athletes and athletes in general talking about like uh, mental health and how hard it is to get to the top level and stay there. Um, Yeah. How do you cope with your your mental motivation? I think
0: it's definitely underestimated how hard it is to stay at the top when you do get there. Um, You know, you become, instead of being the chaser, you're being the chased, and it's like everyone's striving to be, at that top level and yeah it is difficult like it, it is like it is a high stress environment high stakes all the time like you know as sprinters we only race a few times a year so when we come to the line it's like there's a lot on the line um sorry I'm just yeah like we yeah
1: it's so you uh, do you have staff at the training facility that helps you in, in that yeah matter? so
0: I have my own like performance, like mental performance coach that I work with, like outside of the DTE. Okay. Um, I work with her on biweekly basis, monthly basis, that are just prepping for competitions and um, yeah.
1: So how many? You, men, you mentioned that there's a lot of a lot at stake when you get to a competition. How many um, uh, competition do you take? Uh, do you um, you go to on average? And then on yeah.
0: average, I would say probably five a year.
1: Okay, mostly uh, worldwide or mostly in Canada? Yeah, mostly
0: worldwide. So like the. We've been in a different situation this year, kind of where we had to chase chase some points. So I was in Europe in the winter, kind of chasing some points. But um, What it, is chasing points? Uh, just kind of like, you need, need points to qualify for World Championships and World Cups. And okay. so I needed to go to Europe to do some like lower level races okay, to get like some points so I can go to World Champs and Nations Cup this year.
1: Do you have your, Do you have like a personal coach or a team coach that tells you which race to yeah, go so to? Yeah, so it's, all, ob- it's all, all part of our plan.
0: Your... Like um, I have our head coach and so we kind of like all look at points together and kind of look at the plan and see where we need to go and we're kind of we're we're ranked like on a world level in like sprint and kieran and team sprint and stuff like that so i needed to go get sprint points so i had to go to switzerland and portugal this year to get okay so these are like the
1: world cups ranking where you have several events pretty much so how uh, how where are you ranked uh,
0: uh currently i'm ranked 18th in sprint okay so that's kind of the big one that i'm kind of focusing on for the qualification if the team sprint doesn't work
1: Okay, so in that case, to qualify to uh, Paris, you have to be in a, uh, yeah, in a certain so ranking, or do you have to basically win Basically, it's
0: a little bit different because you need to also... it Like, it, it becomes, instead of the world ranking, it becomes the Olympic ranking. So you need to be oh, it's different high enough frame. in the world ranking to get into the events that qualify for the Olympic ranking. Okay. So that's why it's so important for me this year to be at World champs, world Championships this year so I, have enough, I can get those points for the Olympic ranking. Okay,
1: and when is the World Champs?
0: World champs are this August in Glasgow. Okay. okay. So it's and a super world. all cycling disciplines in Glasgow this year. And then the Olympic, Olympic Games next year.
1: Sweet. So there's that time frame. So you have to participate to that world champ. And yep. is there if you don't qualify, if you don't make enough points there, you still have a few opportunities to... You have opportunities.
0: To you can still... Like you'll go to the Nations Cup, obviously. But without world champs points and how valuable they are this year, it'd be difficult to qualify. Okay. So
1: how... Confident, or how good are you feeling uh, as of today? To uh, I'm confident. I'm confident. Like yeah. I,
0: I, I think we can do it. I think we've got to like, especially with the team sprint, we got a very talented like, we got a very talented team. And you think
1: we, we can do it? So you mean yeah? So a team, at the team level, or do you think as a team? Like yeah.
0: we ideally like to qualify through team sprint first, which will qualify like a maximum amount of riders. We'll qualify three riders, and then we'll get two spots individually in sprinting, Kieran. If we don't qualify team sprint, we still have opportunity to qualify individually as well. Mm-hmm. so that's like kind of backup but we'd like to qualify the team sprint first and if that doesn't work we'll kind of go to a backup plan and qualify okay. individually
1: interesting all right so you went to the 2020 2020/2021. 2020 slash 2021 yeah we call it uh, 2020 yeah. yeah Olympics so you went through that mm-hmm. process already yeah. you reached your peak in terms of everything I assume uh, motivation yeah. stress anxiety everything yeah. and it kind of go, goes down after that and again, yeah. you re-prepare because I mm-hmm. think uh, the Olympics is the pinnacle of what you
0: yeah, it's might want to yeah
1: um, so yeah how, how do you cope with that with the whole training for you know three four five years in the yeah. case of uh, the last uh, Olympics because of COVID um, yes and mentally and physically also how does it go from you know the down of after the Olympics mm-hmm. telling yourself that you have another 4 years of you know yeah. high intensity training and, and um, events to go back to that you know thrill
0: I think in this case, it was kind of honestly a little bit weird because it was that, that kind of down that you've heard about so much after the Olympics was kind of like before the Olympics. Oh, yeah. You know, when they announced the postponement and, you know, yeah. COVID hit, all, all that stuff, it was kind of like, oh, we got to wait a year now. Whereas we, once we go back to training, it's kind of like, okay, we're building now for the next year into the Olympics. And then immediately after that, it kind of turned into – okay, back to regular schedule business because now things are coming back online. All the races are happening. So I only had 10 days off after the Olympic Games before okay. I was back in Colombia getting points for the next World Championship. Okay. So it was kind of like I was already, you know, back in the swing of things right after the Olympics.
1: Okay, so you didn't really have time to you know, no, go back and, and, and relax was, for a yeah. few months because you had yeah. already a few objectives. Yeah, it
0: took and that, that 10 days off and I was like, okay, we got to go now. We're back into it. And I think last year kind of hit a bit of a difficult period. I kind of like at that point had done... a few nations Cup, world champs commonwealth games pan am champs and i I went pretty like pretty cooked um but yeah i mean we were right back into it okay and uh, so how did it go in
1: uh well 2021 so two years ago
0: so i did pretty good in the sprint um i was 14th or 12th fastest qualifier in sprint and finished 14th and then the kieran didn't go super great i kind of struggled with kieran at that point still and it's a very tactical race and i Just did not do well in Kieran at all. I think I was like 26 or something like that in Kieran. So not super great in Kieran, but I was really there for, you know, doing a good result in sprint and the Kieran was like the icing on the cake.
1: So you were 21 at the time. What did you, what did you learn from that? And if you were to go back, let's say with the same body, but your experience that you have now after three more years of training and just overall experience, what would you do different and how do you think that would impact your uh, your results?
0: I don't know as much I would do different but I think I would have carried a little more confidence going in knowing that you know I am one of the fastest guys in the world and I I can compete at that level mm-hmm. um obviously coming in to that Olympic Games we hadn't raced in that point since January 2020 so almost a year and a half of no racing so just zero idea where anyone was I mean obviously we hear rumors of training times stuff like that from around the world but yeah. You have zero idea where anyone is, so you're going in pretty blind. He, obviously, you have, like, your favorites that you're kind of going to pick out no matter what, but just understanding that I had a idea to pl- have a place there and I could compete at that level. And
1: how do you think that has a huge impact on, again, keeping everything the same, just the confidence that you can beat the other guys on the track?
0: Yeah, I think in the sport, confidence is everything. Like, if you don't, like, I had a teammate a while ago say, you know, Sprint is like a boxing match. If you go in with the mentality of you're not going to win, you're, you're not going to win. Yeah. So I think in this sport, confidence is everything. And I've, I've seen it time and time again when I'm racing. If I don't have that confidence, it's, it's just not happening. Um, you have to be confident going into these rounds. And if you don't think you can win, you're probably not going to win because you have the other guys that say they, they all want to win as well mm-hmm. so if you're already saying you're not going to win it's it's not going to happen and is that amongst the things
1: that you work with your um your um yeah comp is one
0: of the biggest things right like it's it's everything you can you know you can have a guy that's qualifying in 20th place but if they're super confident they can work their way up the order mm-hmm. yeah. and
1: and how do you work on that when you're with a therapist coach and you're sitting yeah. at, on a chair? you're not necessarily in the same conditions that you're during an events when you're sweating and, you know, jacked up and all that. So yeah. How do you, how do you actually work on that? And and how does that, one of the
0: biggest things that I've tried to learn how to do better at and been practicing is like in like imagery. Um, Yeah. So it's something that I I don't love doing, but I'm trying to learn how to love it. Just kind of like imagining yourself in that scenario and like how the race is going to play out and, Kind of setting yourself up for that success
1: and, and is that something that you actually think about when you're on the track or you know that, that whole preparation all of the, the stuff that you learn off track regarding your mental is that do you think about it or do you really want to be so trained so well trained that you're just it's just in you when you yeah. know you know how to yeah uh, i tend to pull to a lot out. of
0: confidence from like you know previous training times and past performances i try to but be, as best as I can, leave the bad performances out and just focus on the good ones and kind of bring those forward going to the next races. Um, yeah, it, it, it's tough, like it's always a work in progress. Um, yeah, and it, it
1: probably helps. So, your partner also yeah. uh, competes uh, in the national team. So, yeah, how is that helping or not, or <laughs> the in between? How do you, uh, you know, cope with that, and how do you, um, take your both your you know experiences and and ups and downs to uh, to
0: get you yeah bit better. sarah and i are definitely really in it together you know we go through the, the good and bad of everything you know we're at all the same races for the most part i mean um but yeah we, we try our best to leave things at the door and you know kind of come home and leave things what happened at, at training and racing and kind of not bring that in the house but it, it, it does happen and you know we we use each other to like you know to deal with those experiences whether they're good or bad and um just kind of build off of it. Okay.
1: Yeah. So it's, it's interesting because when I got into your house, there was no sign at all. I'm still looking around, no sign at all about like, there's no bike, there's no mm-hmm. gear, there's yeah. no nothing. So it yeah. probably helps in. Yeah. And I think this, except for outside us, door.
0: I mean, especially, you know, we're not coming in for camps here. Like this is our home. Like we, mm-hmm. we live here all the time. So having a place that we want to come home to and that we actually want to be at is, I think what we found just so crucial for like what the success we've had recently, just, you know, being comfortable, being able to be in your own environment and have somewhere we want to come hang out. I mean, we're here a lot and we train hard and have a comfortable place to come just spend time between sessions is really good.
1: So what what are you guys uh, up to when you're not on a bike, which is rare? (laughs)
0: Um, so we're both pretty busy content creators. Okay. Um, yeah, that's one of our, I've, sort of developed a really like a passion for like photography videography like when i came into the sport you know what do i do to pass the time and i've always been a big believer in like finding balance and i've never really thrived in just like are you gonna be able to hear that like is that uh, it no it should be fine okay i've never really been like you have to sit on the couch and recover and do absolutely nothing like i've yeah. always loved being busy and i find that i'm able to de- i perform better when i'm happy Mm-hmm. And I'm not happy when I'm not doing anything. Yeah. So, how do I fill my time? And, you know, like what's it's strenuous because it's like it, it is work, like content creating, like it, it is a job, like it it is work and it takes a lot of our time, and all our spare time, but it's not like a I'm not hiking mountains for yeah. a hobby, right? Like I, um, but yeah, I, I think like something that to occupy my time and also that is beneficial to me in the future. We've found that building our brands is something that like is valuable like for the for the future right like yeah. it's I think there is
1: like you say a lot to gain from doing something outside of your main occupation yeah. so well I kind of relate in the sense that not in the sense that we're in the same field but I have a full-time job which yeah. is a business yeah. we rent electric vehicles and all that and it takes sixty, eighty hours of my week yeah uh, every single week and I sleep mm-hmm. thinking about it and I you know, shower thinking yeah. about it but having a side gig which is for me this podcast yeah. is I have nothing to lose, everything to gain yeah, from exactly, it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. No money linked to it. It's yep. just fun. And when I go back into my real full-time mm-hmm. stuff, I'm, my brain is kind of filled with, you know, I'm happy with what I've done. Yeah, I've done it. Now I'm go, going back into, you know, into the field and you know, mm. putting my hand <laughs> in mm. the dirt. Uh, but yeah, it, it kind of does. It help you feel better also on the bike that it's in a way, you know, yeah, your job.
0: I, I think so, right? Like I mean, like I said, like you. How do I fill how do I fill the time and how do I create something that is, is of use to me and other people as well, right? Like I think Olympic sport is in a funny situation where it really only gets that major attention every four years, but we don't only train every four years. Yeah. We train every day yeah. f- through those four years. We have lots of races we go to, lots of competitions. And I think now with the rise of social media, we're able to share more of that. You know, we don't obviously we're not on T V. We don't build those brands on the T V. This is yeah. this is how we build our brands and kind of show our sport to the world because I think we do do a very cool sport and people won't want to know about it. Like mm-hmm. I don't think it, it, it is growing in Canada. Social media is really helping with that, but how do I use my sport to build something?
1: Yeah. It's very interesting what you mentioned. The fact that there's that peak of the Olympics where, Everybody around around the world is interested in mm-hmm. every single sport. Yeah, exactly. From archery to uh, weightlifting to yeah. track cycling. And mm-hmm. then it kind dies off for, for three 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 and a half years. And <laughs> then you get that, that six-month build
0: yeah. prior to the Olympics where yeah. everything's amazing. And all the Olympic athletes are doing the commercials. And it's kind of that build to that two-week period. And it shuts down again. Yeah. So how do we still build something? Because we're not crazy high paid athletes we're not doing the million dollar contracts that major sports are doing so how do we you know stay relevant and expose ourselves to brands we want to work with and sponsors and stuff like that is this is how you do it yeah and
1: so in your case you mentioned your brand or personal brand is important Uh, also for sarah i think uh, instagram before coming so yeah how do you actually act uh, on that because you have that small time frame where the world sees you Yeah year long you might have a few sponsors which i'm also interested in, in knowing about the, the financial aspect of yeah. the sport but yeah what are your plans uh, and how do you act on you know your brand what what is what is it for you that you um that you want to do in the facts uh you create content you mm-hmm. create videos you create uh, you're in, into photography but yeah, yeah how do you um what is your approach to building a brand
0: this is actually something I've been thinking a lot about lately, and that I want to make a YouTube video about, and the the importance of building your brand as an athlete, and it's something I'm definitely still learning as well. I mean, I've been taking Instagram seriously now for probably close to three years, mm-hmm. and I'm learning every day. Like you know, those platforms change all the time, and just started YouTube this year, and just sharing sharing more of it and creating. I started YouTube with the intention of that I want to create basically a docu-series for myself uh, Mm -hmm. to look back on in a few years like oh I I actually did this and I was here at this point and obviously there's ability to monetize that as well in the future but I have a huge passion for sharing the sport and what we do and just kind of opening up the secrecy of the track cycling world and you know I try to talk about my training as much as I can without without not really giving away too much but you know just like this is kind of what we do Mm -hmm. whereas it's I don't want to put up like a, a wall where it's like okay what's happening and then it's People are, trying, people are trying to see, you know, what happens between the, between the races. Like, I'm trying to like expose a little bit of that without giving away too much. But
1: and have you uh, tried to monetize that already, or is that something that you? Um, yeah, measure? a little
0: bit. Like, we work with an agency, like for like for brand partnerships and stuff like that to 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 do like the, yeah, I guess I could say like influencer deals, like yeah. with brands stuff like that. Because it, it is a huge thing, and I think you've seen it. We've seen it grow over the last couple of years, even since the pandemic started. It was kind of starting a little bit before, like, you know, 2018, 2019 is kind of mm-hmm. starting to gain popularity, but now it it's huge. And you see a lot of companies putting money into social media and working with, you know, inf- influencers or athletes, whatever you want to call them. I don't love the word influencers. No, but yeah.
1: But the, it's it's very interesting. So there is a, a similar podcast in France, which I actually took inspiration from. Yep. It's called Extraterrien. And the the host is called Bart, and is he helped me quite a lot and he knows a guy who it's actually the brother of the, the marathoner in France. And he started something to, his only niche is to help uh, athletes or undercover, or co- athletes that are not covered by the media yeah. to build a personal brand through yeah. social media and monetize yeah. that so that they yeah. can live off the sport or at least yeah. make sure that they don't have to get a side job to yeah. keep and practicing that's, that's and getting too. to like the Olympics. We,
0: we can't get side jobs. I mean, we train full-time. Yeah, And everyone, you know, we, we get asked, oh, do you have a part-time job? Like I actually can't Yeah, like the training schedule is so full that I cannot have a part-time job. It wouldn't work. I mean, I would probably get fired in a few weeks because I just wouldn't be there. Mm -hmm. So how do we, you know, we have like our, a little bit of funding that we have, but how do we also make a living outside of that? I mean, like right now, like the one way that we're trying to, we're trying to do is through brand partnerships and monetizing our content.
1: Have you, uh, have you signed a few, you or Sarah um, signed a few deals? brand partnership any that you can talk about
0: yeah there are there are a few that we like um i don't want to get specifics of them because there's a few that are still in the works mm-hmm. um but yeah there's been a few brands that we've worked with like one of the big ones that sarah works with is a company called shocks it's like a headphone company bump okay. conduction headphone and she's done a few deals with them over the like over the past year and um that's something we're very careful of as well as you know who do we associate ourselves with because yeah. we are we are promoting brands and we are athletes and how do we build trust with like an audience? Obviously this, I think this goes for most people, but how do you not become an advert, an advertisement reel on Instagram? You know, how do you set yourself up with brands that you actually want to associate with and actually feel comfortable like promoting?
1: Yeah. And on the the financial aspect that you mentioned, you cannot, if you don't have sponsors in a way Mm, or, or brand deals, how do you develop the sport in, in track cycling? You're a professional athlete because that's what you do full time in a way, but you wouldn't necessarily be able to pay the bills with prize money or mm-hmm. those stuff. So yeah. How does that, does that work for you? Where is the money coming from? If that's something that you're comfortable, you know? Talking yeah. About? So
0: easiest aspect is we have, we are carded athletes. So there is government funding for us as well, like as mm-hmm. national team, like athletes, Olympic level, I athletes, mean, we we represent Canada at the yeah. international level. So we are carded by the government, but it's really enough to pay for groceries and a little bit of rent. Yeah. um it's not we're not getting rich by any means we're covering our costs yeah we're covering our costs and i've had a few like um like i recently just received can fund which is like a non-profit yeah. uh, organization in canada that gives like funding to athletes and i've been fortunate to get that that a few times um but yeah like we at this point definitely are not getting rich in the sport yeah. um but so that's definitely also why we're trying to you know monetize our content because it's it's an aspect we can make money and there's opportunity there
1: yeah and it, it's it's amazing to see what you mentioned that you know there's that three week fame period at the olympics but yeah. the rest you're training and no one knows about mm-hmm. it but at the same time canada or oh. you know the country in general or every single country uses the fact that their athletes are at the top level at the olympics everybody yeah. is in love with yeah. what they see at the TV mm-hmm. on tv uh, there is a part of uh, no giving back with those funds, but yeah. it seems like there could be more made at the whatever highest level yeah. uh, to help athletes, and because in the end, you know, there is tourism. There's a lot of stuff mm-hmm. coming around the sports, and yeah. the athletes themselves are not necessarily uh, paid and quote-unquote paid. Mm-hmm. You know, not yeah. just with money, but in, with a lot of stuff and gears and, and and funding and support. They're not paid at the level that they should be. Mm-hmm. Compared to what they bring to yep. you know to the table, yeah, for exactly. Country, I, but for I think that a, a is
0: city. unfortunately one of the downfalls of like new sports, right? They don't draw the crowds, and we don't have massive spectators at events. I mean, there's a yeah. few events, like I mean, the end know the, the Olympics will probably be sold out in in France, um, but you know, we even hosted a Nations Cup here not not long ago, three weeks ago, and um, the stands were only full like one of the sessions. Uh, so it, it doesn't draw the huge crowds, which doesn't in turn draw the large amounts of like corporate sponsors. Yeah. There are a few but it, it's not enough to to bring that pool of money in. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's it's well it's it's a philosophical question in a way that cannot be answered around yeah. that table. But yeah. at the end of the day, soccer has the World Cup, but still outside of the World Cup there are so many championships and everything yeah, and exactly. Oh, someone sometimes found a way to monetize and make it so that people are interested. And it's, I think, much more interesting to watch road or track cycling than it is to watch, well, I'm going to be killed for that, but hockey or baseball. Yeah, oh, for sure. Like,
0: like, track cycling is a very, very spectator-friendly sport. I mean, even road and mountain bike, you know, they go by in a second, unless you're watching a crit, which is not really popular outside of North America. There's a few of them, but they're mostly popular in Mm -hmm. North America. But track cycling is right in front of you the whole time. You can see the entire track. Everything that's going on. You can see all, all the teams in the infield. You can see all the action on the track. It's all right in front of you. There's nothing really exposed other than, like, you know, it's it's all in front of you. Mm-hmm. And it's 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 hard to believe we don't have a... It's not more popular than it is. But I think that's just... I think it is growing in Canada a little bit. And hopefully with the new newer velodromes becoming be online, that it does continue to grow.
1: Mm-hmm. So where where should we, or... Anyone interested in in seeing an event go there must be a few events in in Milton. I actually took a pamphlet from the yeah. track an hour ago, and there was the there was an event end of April, I think. Yeah, so uh, end of
0: April that was the Nations Cup, which is basically World Cup, and that's uh, that was the one of three that happens every year. So Milton's hosting another one next year, April twelfth or something like that, which will be the last event for Olympic yeah. qualifying. Okay, so that'll be pretty exciting, um, and hopefully, you know. It, Definitely mm-hmm. compared to last year, we had bigger crowds than what we did. Um, but yeah, that'll be the big one next year.
1: And what are the next... Uh, also, so that's the next big event here in Milton. Is there anything in other cities in Canada where we could uh, watch you guys?
0: Bromont does some local races, I think. But you don't um, participate I don't, in those? Like, uh, no, I don't participate in them. Um, oh yeah. yeah, obviously, the track, track, track thing is still pretty small. Mm-hmm. Um, it's Yeah, Milton mostly has the major events.
1: Yeah. Um, and what after your career? So you're still young, you probably mm-hmm. have what, six, ten years ahead yeah, of you and I think physical like and the mental Right now, what you want.
0: I've kind of said like, you know, hopefully LA twenty twenty eight might yeah. be the exit. Um that's still five years away. Um but I think at that point that'd be a, a ten year career for me in, at the elite level in the sport and I think that's a, a pretty good number. Yeah. Um I I don't wanna be leaving the sport old and broken. I would like to leave the sport still loving it and kind of on a high. Um, so I think that's kind of the uh, that might be the exit. There's also rumor that we may host a Commonwealth Games in 2030. Okay. So I think if it, if there it was might a, if, if there was a home games, I think I might uh, might stick around a little bit longer. My body can handle it.
1: That would be a nice. Uh Nice way to go out. Yeah. Um, so what would be uh, What would be after? You mentioned your personal brand, the, the mm-hmm. your personal business yep. in, in a sense. Uh, is that what you would really like to focus on or do you have like other, would you go into training? Would you just go I, away from the I don't the sport?
0: know. I, I think like I love filmmaking and photography and I'd love to keep that as part of my life. And, you know, I don't know where the whole social media thing could go. I think I could build it into another brand after even being an athlete and hopefully I'm able to build enough of a brand as an athlete now that I can continue to carry that forward in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, whether that be, you know, whatever platform it may be, but you are able to build careers out of it these days. And I think that's something I would like to pursue.
1: Yeah. And probably also pushing the equity part of, you know, deals, brands and all mm-hmm. that more than just yeah. the cash, that that's something that lives, you know, much longer, yeah. you know, getting and I think
0: yeah, but building those brand relationships over the years, I mean, it, you know, it, it's something that is, is very relevant and, um, I think can benefit you down the road.
1: Yeah. Very interesting. I'm, I'm very, one of the reasons why I started this podcast was like I mentioned to have a side job that I just mm-hmm. have fun with and yeah. no, no, not thinking about money mm-hmm. or deals and stuff. Uh, but the more I talk to Olympic athletes and, and athletes in general, yeah, there is a, there is something to build in the transition, you know, the post career of athletes that focus yeah. so much of their time on a career and didn't mm-hmm. necessarily, you know, Make yeah. enough money or savings to just live off of mm-hmm. that afterwards. Yeah. So yeah, and I think that's I'm one thing curious. that
0: I've like definitely been scared of. Like right now, my highest education is high school. I, I didn't. I came right from high school okay. into the elite program, and I've just been training ever since. And I, I always said of Tokyo, I'd, I'd plan on going back to school, and I just I haven't. Well, you know, I don't have time for that. I don't right? have time for it right now. And I, where we are right now, I just don't even know what I want to do. What I want to do in school. Um, and I think yeah, just like you said, just. Having something after. I I am scared of just leaving the sport and, you know, what do I do now? I'd like to have something that I I can fall back on. And I think building the skills of photography and videography and having something that's useful outside of the sport is something I can, if I have to, fall back on right now. Um, But yeah, it's something that I think I can use in the future. And that's kind of what also is a driving force behind all of this, is what do I do after the sport?
1: Okay, it just ex- my 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 wheels start yeah. spinning. <laughs> it's um, it's not necessarily something that athletes that I've interviewed have said that clearly. That I'm afraid of, you know, not afraid, but I kind of uh, prepare for that mm-hmm. without knowing. But it's yeah, it shouldn't be like this. I think yeah. you you being you, Nick, and any other athletes, mm-hmm. give so much to the yeah. people yeah. and that there should be something, uh, yeah. there shouldn't be any worry of, oh, the career is is done now, you know, what's up? Should I go yeah. to a random job just to pay the bills? Uh, anyway, it's just... And <laughs> there, are, there are a lot of
0: people that do have plans and there are, well, like, you know, it's all set up for when they leave the, when they leave the sport, what are they going to do? It's all planned out. But I've also seen athletes that yeah. have nothing figured out. Yeah. And they get to a point where they can't continue this in the sport or whatever sport they may be doing. And it's just absolutely nothing. Yeah, I don't want that to be me. I want to have a clear exit plan Mm -hmm. and a full plan put together that when I'm ready to move on from the sport, and I don't want to say leave on, I'm ready to you know move on from the sport. You know, I've served my purpose, and it's get to point where I'm ready to do something new.
1: Yeah, and to a certain level, you are, well, every high level athlete Mm -hmm. is at such a high level of demanding on the body. uh, You know, high level, high stakes, high everything. You know, adrenaline and everything that you cannot just fall back onto a nine to five mm-hmm. yep. random job. Yep. You still need the adrenaline in a way. So, you, mm-hmm. you know, it's not every single yeah. opportunity that you will find that will fit yeah. your personality. So you're one in, you know, a million or uh, 10,000, whatever. So it's uh, yeah, it's something that needs to be bent ahead. But at the same time, you have time, you have the energy yeah. and you really want to focus on that when your goal is to get to the Olympics and, yeah. uh, and, and get a middle there. Yeah. So. And I also don't want
0: to be like the athlete that is, you know, dragging out the career past when they should be, because they don't know what else to do yeah i want to be in a position where i'm like okay i'm I'm ready to be done with this sport and move on to the next thing and it's it's already part of its plan it's it's already kind of set up i don't want to be just oh, i got a few more years left to me i'm going to push till i'm absolutely broken because i don't do not know what else to do yeah that would be sad <laughs> it, and i've seen it happen i have seen it happen yeah um and i just don't want that to be me
1: well it's interesting that you think about that at Twenty-three. Yeah. Right. It's it's yeah. already a good sign that yeah. you shouldn't be uh, in uh, in too much trouble uh, when the time comes. Um if you met Nick at thirteen at the first uh track race and you could give a few pieces of advice, what would they be?
0: Man. That's a tough one for me because I've always been so driven and I knew exactly what I wanted. Um like but I said, yourself
1: I, at the 2021 uh, Olympics.
0: I knew that like starting out at that kid, that kid just riding that track that I knew that I want to be at the Olympic games. And I knew that, you know, keep going, just keep going. It, it does get tough and it gets to a point, you know, when I was, I think I had a pretty bad crash when I was 16. I was out of my traffic on the road, doing some starts by myself and I stopped pedaling and I got completely tossed off my bike and broken collarbone face slammed into the pavement and i was just sitting in the middle of the road by myself and i thought like oh god what did i just do <laughs> and it's just you know through the rehab and you know getting back on the bike and just just keep going mm-hmm. it gets tough and sports not pretty i've been a few instances where it's like man this really sucks but you just gotta keep going you just gotta keep finding you know what is that goal is the olympic games this is all part of the plan you're gonna be there if you believe that, you can achieve it.
1: Awesome. Um, you mentioned that you, you fell once or had a pretty bad crash. How dangerous is track cycling? Because once again, one of the reasons for the podcast is to talk about the stuff that we don't read online. But mm. most of the news that I've seen about track cycling recently is when there is like a huge crash. Even if no yeah. one is hurt, people like to talk about it. But is yeah. this really a dangerous um, sport?
0: It is. Like, track cycling is in many case is an extreme sport extreme but sport. it's one of those sports where everything's fine until it isn't you know you're on a smooth track you know you're riffing around everything looks nice but when things go bad in the sport they go bad really bad okay and there are close calls but when things really happen like they are they are bad crashes and i've seen career-ending injuries and um yeah there's it, some scary stuff that happens on the track if, if it goes bad cool um
1: or oh, not cool, but interesting to, yeah. to, to see uh, your perspective. Um, what is success for you in the next two years? It seems quite obvious right now, but I'm still asking.
0: You know, yeah, I mean, I definitely think still climbing up the order. I think, like, I, I am still developing the sport, I believe. Like, I think that I haven't quite reached my peak yet. Um, I don't want to come out and say I want an Olympic medal, but obviously that would be, be amazing. Um but you just
1: to, you have to say it to get it, right? Yeah, you, you gotta to say it to get it, right? It to, yeah, exactly.
0: Um but just being in Paris again and you know, like I think I, I don't wanna delay it, but yeah, like I think like I'm I still am developing, I still am coming into like, you know, my best years at, in this sport and I think being in Paris and next summer would be just right now that's the target, that's the goal, and then see where we go from there. Okay.
1: We only uh wish you only but the best and Thank only you. success. Thank you. Um personal brand you mentioned it quite a few yeah. times so where should the the listeners uh, follow you and and watch you
0: uh find me on instagram and tiktok at nick wamus and those are my two kind of main things youtube is also starting out yeah. uh, i am slowly slowly but surely building that and just a little more a little more behind the scenes like a little more uh you know just here's what's going on here's mm-hmm. where we're at where are we in the world a little bit of vlog so i'm trying to start some more you know sharing more of my experience on YouTube and some more tips and techniques for cycling and track cycling. And that's all coming. And, um, yeah.
1: Sweet. Uh, you're the only the second one, second athlete that interview that has TikTok. <laughs> so that's when I feel much yeah. older, even though I'm not, um, cool. TikTok, Instagram and, and YouTube. YouTube then. Yeah. Um, the last two questions, yeah. uh, the scripted ones, uh, one is uh, if you were to pass the mic to, uh, canadian athlete that you know of and has a an interesting story to tell you can say sarah will be the easiest i mean answer, i think honestly <laughs> sarah
0: does have quite a cool story to tell okay i mean
1: well don't put her on the spot because maybe she's like no we could
0: put her on the spot here real quick <laughs> um but no yeah sarah was a pure raw talent transfer okay. she did a program called rbc training ground and what is that basically an olympic combine tests your speed power strength um endurance and she was identified by South In Canada f- as having potential and yeah. she was fast tracked and she's now she's on the national team, um competing at the same, you know, level as me. And um yeah, from being a soccer player to never having ridden a bike before to now being on the national team. I think that's
1: also so that combine that you mentioned it's it's uh, whatever an event where yeah, you're tested, for yeah, your test strength, at, but not in a specific sport, no, okay. just just like just raw, raw, like, raw tests. tests. Okay, and wow. uh, okay, yeah, I didn't get that. And
0: she's identif- identified by Second Canada as having potential. I think there was uh, also bobsleigh and skeleton identified her, track and field, and rugby, and she chose cycling. So, <laughs> that's insane. um, so yeah, who so,
1: organizes that?
0: Uh, it's an RBC program. Oh, so it's, RBC. Yeah, yeah. I think She's a yeah. an aerial skier, and I think she yeah. went through the I same. I think she's uh, yeah, the same, same thing. Okay. So RBC does that, and it's like in partnership with CSI and uh, COC just, and stuff okay. like that. And but yeah, they identify future that's like, athletes and that's just where Sarah sure. came from. Yeah. So they
1: kind of have like a set of talents or or yeah, just a and set of, kind of have tests a, and a table, and like, oh, that's kind of
0: yeah. And you got obviously there's like further testing that goes on after that, but you see you have like Say you got a great endurance or, you know, you know great power, and you know, it just may translate to a certain sport better, so you're identified by those okay. national organizations and kind of ask for some further testing if they see potential.
1: Very cool. Very nice. So maybe Sarah. Then I'll ask her. Or yeah, we'll see, see if Sarah <laughs> wants to hop on. Um, next time I'm in Toronto. Um, the last question is: so I'm building a wall of fame at yep. my place with a few gears. Uh, the most funny one is a horse true signed yep. by a, a horse rider. Um, would you have any uh, gear? I think I him?
0: definitely have a few jerseys. I could uh, probably awesome give one.
1: Amazing. So that will be fan- look fantastic on the on the wall. Um, any last word?
0: no thanks for coming out thanks for coming to Milton
1: thank you so much uh, I wish you the best I hope I can see a training or anything at the, yeah, for at sure. the track before I uh, before I head back to Montreal that would be for wonderful sure. awesome Perfect. thank you so much
0: alright thank you bye
1: if you're still here it's probably because you liked the episode right so if you want the podcast to grow and get more exceptional athletes you can play your part by following us on your favorite podcast platform and on instagram at unfiltered.athletes it really helps us and until next time enjoy life